I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas, Ice House is blaring on the stereo, it's humid and dangerous, and a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course, is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980. And each week, we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book. And dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, revelatory, and as always, very very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins. Every single bloody week, myself, Paul Verhoeven, sits down with my dad, John Verhoeven. I don't know why I'm referring to us in the third person. And I talk about the cases that you lived through as a cop in the 1980s. Dad, how has your week been? My week. I worked my ring out. All right. That's an an expression you use a fair bit. Could you please, um, for those of Overseas listeners who might not understand the expression, could you mm. explain it? Well, I don't know where it comes from, but I have a feeling that ring refers to freckle. The butthole. Sphincter. The anus. So, I don't know how you'd work it out, um, but it's an expression and I, I do use it a lot. In fact, when I listen back to the podcasts, Paul, yep. that, I, that I do, well, I listen back to every podcast and and generally when I'm driving, and I enjoy it. Um, Some would say that's a that that is an insane hall of mirrors of ego. No, no, Paul. I have a. uh, I think it's it's good to uh, to listen, laugh, and learn. It's it's you. I beg your pardon. (laughs) Just the idea that you get pulled over by a cop for driving recklessly, and the cop comes up, and it's you listening to yourself talk about being a cop, Paul. Um. Yeah, okay. Well, that's moderately funny, but look, um oh, I was dry, I I've I people know I deal in antiques, of course, and I was um You deal with a lot of things, dad. I yes. Yeah. Um but I was very fortunate to acquire two magnificent estates over the weekend. When you say estate, you are acquiring the things within the estate, not the estate no, itself. No, not the correct? actual physical properties, but the okay. contents within. Yep. And I and I've kicked a few big goals. Um which I'm not. I won't go into at this, on this particular occasion. Okay. Suffice to say that I'm bloody excited. And then I also had this estate last week that is so big. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on people's, um, just people that go overboard with collecting. And this particular guy, who's now deceased, um, he collected things. When I went into this house on the northern beaches of Sydney. 
mm. a week ago. You know, listeners, you know that I've been to a lot of really, really bad things in forensics. I used to go to, to hoarders' houses um, where people lived in... I mean, there are hoarders that are sort of all over the shop and just it looks like a shitstorm. But there are also hoarders that are OCD. So you go into the hoarders' sort of paradise mm. and everything's immaculate. It's a coolio song, isn't it? Everything is so in order... Yeah. And then when you make your way into the inner sanctum. Oh, hang on. This is a new this is a new story. Could you mm. wind back to the start for me because no no, I, I actually wanted to talk about the uh, the difference between because when you as an antique dealer do a deceased estate, that mm. is a term that we heard a lot growing up and what would occasionally happen was myself and I remember one time dad I was about 11 or 12 and you you popped me in the car. And you drove me across to this house. It was there was a woman there. She was middle aged, and her husband was there. And they were both clearly very artsy. And it was in Ivanhoe or somewhere very green and very wealthy. And they were selling all their stuff. And I asked why they were selling all their stuff. And the woman said, "Oh, I'm dying." And the idea was that they were trying to get rid of their things before, mm. because what happens as an antique dealer is you get called by the relatives who go oh my God, I can't deal with all these things, but they're mm. clearly worth something. Can you come and, you know, um, divvy these up and sell them and get us some cash for them? Um, mm. Mm. So as an antique dealer, you get called to the houses of, uh, well, you get, you get called in after the body's been found and after all the kind of bad stuff's happened. But I was going to ask, as a cop, did you ever get called in to the house before? Oh, very much so. Um and can you tell us about the this this jelly story? Yeah, well, it's not really about jelly. Well, I, like aeroplane jelly. Yeah, I know. Which used to come in a tiny little packet. Yeah, the powdered stuff. It, isn't it weird to think that jelly used to be one of the high points of, of our week? Did you have it with anything or just by itself? Ice cream. Jelly with ice cream. That's that's right. Blue ribbon ice cream, aeroplane jelly. Hmm. Um, Paul... Yeah. If I was when you mention antiques, in fact I to be fair, I did mention them. And I've always wanted to do a whole season or two mm. with you, obviously. Oh, on antiques. My, on antiques, because the stories. Now, can you imagine when we, you know how there are sort of words in one's lives that you mention the word? Like if you say cocaine to perhaps someone that uses cocaine, I'm I'm hypothesizing here, um, it triggers certain responses. And possibly involuntary. And um, when we started to talk about antiques and then you started to take me down that the rabbit hole of the world of antiques, which I've been doing for 40 years, I can I, can I give you a metaphor? Yes. I was like, I was like a volcano <clears throat> ready to erupt with excitement. Right. That's how excited I get. Okay. When we talk about antiques. Sure. And... Listeners, believe you me, when I was a young police officer and I used to go to a lot of, a lot of, uh, we used to call them deadens, D-E-A-D apostrophe, no. U-N-S, right? No, it's not actually. Oh, it could be, but it could also be D-E-A-D-N apostrophe S. But that would be deaden is, wouldn't it? No, in the book, it's dead. U-N-S. New word uh, apostrophe deadens. U-N-S. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Well, we used to call them deadens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes over police radio, yep. <clears throat> back in the 80s, they'd even, VKG would even say, um, car 6 to um, blah, 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 
Rhea Dedden. They'd say it. I don't think the families would be overly impressed. No, God, no. But that's that sort of removal psychologically from... And, and, and you, you refer to it as, and I guess other, others do, as sort of a gallows-type humour. Mm. Um, but I used to go to these all the time, and I went to a particularly m- sort of memorable deceased in Kirribilli. Now, Kirribilli is a very affluent suburb in Sydney. It's on the water, and it's got a, a, a very sort of prestigious um, boys' high school there, but it's also got Kirribilli House, where they entertain people from, uh, you know, dignitaries. Many, many people, you know, presidents and, and all types have, you know, gone to garden parties, etc. there. So that's the sort of level of, of real estate. And we went to this magnificent Victorian terrace. Yeah. And we couldn't smell anything because the body was so far inside the house. And this person... <clears throat> was a collector of newspapers and magazines. Mm. But he stored them so beautifully, almost in an architectural manner, and he stacked them to the ceilings, mm-hmm. and they were pressed in, and they became a part of the building, and they were, they were rock solid. There was no chance of them falling. And it was sort of like a labyrinth, and we gingerly, making sure we didn't... Uh, destroy the crime scene because I was in general duties at North Sydney and this was one of the first deceasts that I'd ever gone to and um, of course we didn't know it was a deceased um, at that stage. Oh really? So what was what was the exact call? Oh well it was concern for welfare. Concern for welfare okay. Because he used to have food delivered like a lot of reclusive types mm-hmm. they have things delivered um, they're generally the ones we dealt with in North Sydney were certainly not, dare I say it, poor. They were financially very secure. Yep. And um, and some of these reclusive people uh, had no dealings at all with humans. So they would have an intermediary, someone that they would write a check for. They would leave the check at the front door. They may slide it under the door. Some of them never ever was seen. I mean, which reminds me, Paul, did I ever tell you that incredible story? I think I've told you about the... You know, remember Jim, the plumber? Yes. And he used to talk to me for years about one of his clients that he'd never seen? No, no, you haven't. I don't think you've told me this oh story. Oh, my God, mate, okay. this is so... Shall I tell you this yeah, tell me, tell me this story, then we'll get back to the the, cool. call, the concern for welfare, and then somehow we'll try and talk about the chapter this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Jim. Well, Jim. First, what do you remember? Quite, what do you remember what, about Jim? What, you have an expression built like a brick shit house. Oh, he was built. Say. He was built. He was huge. And there's a very, very now, listeners. I just I'm giving you all the heads up, dearest listeners, because lovely, sweet, lovely Paul, oh. the guy that I'm talking to. Hello, Paul at one of our properties was, he was kind of, um, I say he, I'm talking about you, Paul, but you were always um, kind of on another plane. What, 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 on another plane. What, what, what does that mean? Jim yeah. was doing some plumbing mm-hmm. at the back of one of our properties. And he... Well, how old was, was in, I at this point? Was, um, what pro- well, we were in 
um, Patey Street. No, not Patey Street. Shit. Um, Wayne Street. Harboard. Uh, yeah, okay. So I was like 14, maybe? Okay, 14. And, and Jim actually was digging a hole uh-huh. and he asked you, could you in some way assist him? Do you recall uh-huh. this? No, and and he um and you came up with some esoteric excuse, right? And he thought that was so funny. You don't remember the the excuse though. Ah, uh, look, it was something really quite weird and wacky. So this is like the the greatest song in the world, and that you remember that I said something really esoteric and clever, but you can't remember what I said. So now there's just this, a some. I want to re- know what I said. No, what it, I said. Yeah, but it resonated with 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 um Jim. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. And he even to this day he. If we if we bump into him, he he loves to tell that particular story. He, he, it it was so funny. It was your excuse for not wanting not to dig, to wanting to help him. But it was a wonderful excuse that literally perplexed him and bemused him. He thought it was Dad, funny. I, ca- I can't tell you how difficult it is to make a story interesting without being able to remember the thing that you're <laughs> no, well, up towards. Well, I guess I could get in touch and um, yeah, and, find out. And, yeah, find okay. out. But but okay. the the point is, Paul, that. Um, yep. Uh, shit, what is the point? Jim, you said he had a story uh, where oh, he... Oh, God, that's right. Couldn't, shit, this is he so, never saw the person, yeah. Uh, this story is... And I used to drive past the house. I became a little bit obsessed with this house. It was a fibro house, and Jim had done the plumbing for this guy, but it turns out that the man, he would only ever come out... He would never come out at night time when there was a moon... He only came outside when it was pitch black. Oh. And he would talk to Jim when Jim was inside the house doing plumbing. How did he talk he, to him? Through the wall. Oh, that's creepy. Okay. It's so, so heavy. Yeah. And Jim knew that I was incredibly curious. And I used to say, Jim, can I actually come with you one day? And whilst you're talking to the man, uh-huh. look, he used to call this man the man in the bubble and his house being the bubble, but apparently no one had seen him in living memory. And he would actually talk to Jim through the wall mm-hmm. and then he would pay Jim by leaving a check, but Jim had never seen the man ever, ever. And what I wanted to do was for Jim to distract him and then I'd go around the back of the house and maybe peer through one of the windows. But then I realised that he'd blacked out all the windows. Now, to get to the chase with this story, yeah, um, the man actually had a disease of the face. Could have been elephantitis and or it could have been leprosy, something, and his face was so... Um, you know, disfigured, and he was so embarrassed that he would never, ever, um, ever let anyone ever see his face. Um, and he 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 wouldn't he wouldn't even come out at night time if the moon was up for fear of someone seeing his face in the moonlight, which would have been pretty scary, I imagine. Um, so there's an example of a, a reclusive person, and I used to drive past that house for probably because it was a fairly common back way from one suburb to the other. Mm-hmm. The suburb is in Harbord, or I think they now call it Freshwater. And um, every time I drove past, for, for, for more than a decade, I used to look down and see this little fibro house. 
knowing that inside that house was a person, like a man of mystery, really. And then one day, uh, the house was demolished. And he'd obviously passed on, and, and then it became someone else, someone else's house. Um, but back to the story in Kirribilli. This Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. You don't, you don't have any payoff for this story? Like, you don't know what happened to him or no, who he, he was? Or? he just died. He Sorry. just died. Well, I don't say just lightly, because uh, dying is probably a pretty big thing. But um, he passed, passed on to a place that we don't really know anything about. Okay. Uh, all right, back to the... Um Back to the story at hand. Yeah, yeah. you get a, you get a call because there's concern for someone. Now, how girlfriend. did we know mm-hmm. that there was? How did we know something was amiss? You well, first of all, you you already told me that it wasn't the smell. Was there mail sticking out of the mailbox? Yeah, was that there... sort of thing. And also, people used to deliver food every day. Uh, okay. And then for a few days, and then weeks, the food began to pile up. And it kind of always amazes me in these situations, Paul, where people don't actually... Look, you've heard, we've all heard stories about... Um, there was one in Sydney last year where they found a mummified lady. Not decomposed, she had mummified. She'd gone like, like a leather doll left out in, the, in, in some tundra. Um, like David Attenborough when he was down in the south... South Pole, and he found those those seals that were something like, you know, 5,000 years old. And they looked okay. So is that because of, I mean, what conditions actually caused no, them to... No moisture, no, no humidity. Right. Okay. Dry, never, ever, ever rains down there. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And these things are preserved. Like, like um, Mallory on the mountain. He, he, you know, they, they found his body in the last... Well, definitely in the last decade. Yeah, I had a rumor he ate one of his Sherpas, but I'm sure that was just weird internet garbage. Really, I. Mm, well, he died. He died alone, and it's an extraordinary story. What a but, horrible way to go! Ugh. No, it's really, and you know, you 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 would fall and 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 probably be alive for some time. He had terrible, right? The broken bones just sheared through his garments. But they 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 turned this guy over, and they saw the label Mallory sewn into his coat pocket what an extraordinary and he there he lay for a hundred years isn't that Jesus. incredible yeah and this guy this um oh god look my point being that sometimes people die and people just they they ignore it i think most people in this world always and tend to just make the assumption that someone else is going to deal with it are you saying that somebody, that someone went, all right, this guy's clearly dead, but I have no desire to find a dead body or deal with it. So I'm yeah. just going to call in, hey, I've heard a weird noise or some sort of yep. vague call like that. Yep. Okay. And, and we, you know, Muggins and, and my offsider, we, we, we rock up to this um, stunning Victorian terrace. Uh-huh. And um, we, Paul, you know that I learned how to pick locks, don't you? Oh yeah, it's in Electric Blue. We talk about mm. the fact that you, yeah, you actually helped uh, various spooks get Correct. into yeah. strange facilities. Yes, yes. And I don't know whether I've ever publicly made this admission, but I used to um, carry my my lockpicks from the day I joined the New South Wales Police Force, and um, occasionally I would um, get to use them, and. I was pretty good at it. 
um, and I used my my picks on this occasion. What time? Of, what time was it, by the way? It's in the morning. Uh, it, would you say it's creepier finding a dead body in the morning or when it's dark? Um, I think my my opinion would be mm-hmm. it's always always creepy, <laughs> and on a twenty four hour cycle, yeah. it makes no difference at all. Okay. And in the morning, I think psychologically you are less prepared for it. Oh yeah, because you've just you haven't really built up that. Sort no, of there's not that sort yet. of dark. There's not the, the the you know. Fortunately, the place had power, oh, but we okay. but we it was dark, and the second we gained entry to this property after you picked the lock, after I'd picked the lock, how long did that take? By the way, I would imagine. I mean, I can open a padlock in about sometimes in three or four seconds. Wow. Um, and depending on the lock, but like a, a, a lock back then, like a Lockwood type lock would take, uh, you know, a, a, on average, maybe, maybe two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, cause it's always nice to be able to do that as opposed to, I mean, you can get a locksmith out, but that can be problematic because who does the locksmith charge? Like, I think he may end up charging the New South Wales Police Force, but, you know, that it takes so long to get paid. He'd like to charge the estate um, because I guess the locksmith would be hoping that someone's alive to pay for the bill. Look, it gets complicated. And then there's the third option. Well, you can always call the fire brigade in, and we used to do as a fireman, we we used to enter a lot of premises, which was actually creepy because my, my, my brother Mark... Yeah, he was in the fire brigade. He was the first into a house, an apartment in um, sort of upper north shore of Sydney, mm-hmm. and he he came into this room, and it was there were literally billions of flies flying around. He could literally he literally had to walk through a wall of flies, and he saw the back of this guy watching TV, and he walked around, and the guy had no eyeballs. Oh, like in the movies, they'd been eaten out, and he was sitting. That's story my brother told me was pretty bad that's so and you know and you go to touch someone like that yeah uh, or you go to move them and you can just pull limbs off that would have made it very very difficult if you'd reach over to change the channel i mean obviously this guy did not change the channel because he was dead but if you had have tried to if you had have sort of had a moment of whatever he could he would have his arm just would have slipped off okay I didn't know that. Look, sometimes we talk about how traumatic the job is. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't quite realize that, uh, you know, my uncle had seen that level of horror. Oh. So, uh, you break into this house. First of all, there's a running joke in one of my favorite shows, Elementary, where Sherlock and Watson turn to each other and go, can you hear a baby crying? Uh, I, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. I think I, yeah, I think I can hear someone crying for help. And then they break in using the lockpick. And, or sometimes they say it was open, but how do you justify as a police officer the fact that you, and when you fill the report out, do you say, I picked the lock or no. do you say it was open? It would say it was open. Right, okay. We'd say it was unlocked, without a doubt. Okay, so um, the door was unlocked, right. And the shit never hit the fan because at the end of the day, yeah. we, we achieved what we set out to do, which was to well, go in and investigate. To that end, could you walk us through your uh, entry into the house and the kind of passage through the house until you found what you were looking for? 
it was very, very clear instantaneously that we were dealing with something very unusual. There were literally, I'm going to say this, there were tens and tens of thousands of newspapers. And it was easy to figure out how old the papers were. You'd just pull one out and look at the date. Mm. These papers went back to the 1950s and the smell inside the house, not of not of rotting flesh, we had no inkling. We could have quite easily been going into an empty terrace. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. As I said, there was no smell because the smell of newsprint and mold and 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 dankness and depression and low light and just there was a pall of of it freaked me out. I mean, how old was I? Was I'm in my early twenties. You join the New South Wales Police Force or any police force in any busy area, busy city. Yeah. And I've always, I've, and I'll stand by it to this very day, except for maybe paramedics, but I reckon in, well, definitely within four weeks in the New South Wales Police Force or any busy police force on any planet, or uh, not any planet, that's ridiculous, but, well, not necessarily, because there may be, well, we don't know. But um, 
you see you, you'll see more action in four weeks than most humans will see in in five lifetimes yeah okay so you know I'm, I'm i'm sort of all i'm excited i guess i'll put it out there and say a part of me to be very honest with you all kind of hoped there was no body in there but a part of me hoped there was a body in there you just don't know and you're creeping literally because you're in someone else's place you don't actually know the layout i mean today at my age i know the layout of of terraces i know exactly how they work you walk into a terrace they've all always got a uh, a set of stairs that go up to the first level on that first level you've got various rooms then sometimes you've got another set of stairs that goes up to the next level and so we've gone into the room on the left which was the lounge dining and it was just it was just newspapers mm-hmm. but immaculately filed he may i'm jumping the gun a little bit but he may have actually filed them chronologically as he as they as they came in i he probably read them all and um but the reason i say there was no smell that is that he because there were so many other smells in the house. Like what? Well, just that all those the, the, the paper smells. And, the paper and smell? What do you mean the, the paper smell smells? Of, the smell of newspaper. Right. Like if you go into a like a printing place, you can smell paper. I mean, what happens if you get a you know like a bundle of fresh fifty dollar bills and just flick them in front of your nose? It's got an, a smell, hasn't it? Or what? What about a book? What about one of your books just hot off the press? But that's a fre- yeah, but that's a fresh smell. This that's guy a fresh had- smell. But books go off. Now, and, and, and Paul, Paul, yeah. as an antique dealer, mm. one of you'll always see a good antique dealer when they when they're looking at furniture. And have a look at them next. All people here listening, if you ever go to an auction and and watch experienced antique dealers, one thing they love to do is open chests, open drawers, and they and they put their nose in and they take a big breath of air. That helps them determine whether or not the furniture has age because it's a smell yeah, that okay. can only happen over a long period of time. And so you could smell that kind of rotting paper smell, which I can't actually visualize. I, I don't know what that smells like, but uh, it's filling the house. Was Most hoarders tend to just hoard everything. Are you saying this was just, no, just a papers. newspaper thing? Yeah. Okay. No, it, okay. was, it, was, it was the papers. But... We, we made our way up the stairs, and on either side of every single tread mm. were, were papers stacked. It was incredible. It was, I kind of feel sorry for the people that ultimately had to remove everything. Which, and and, and to, this, to this day in Sydney, in this suburb of Kirribilli, there is a family living in this place. Oh, um, and more than likely completely unaware of, of its past. So we started heading up the stairs, and we came onto the first landing. And I remember going into the bathroom and the bathroom, the bath, it was an old-fashioned freestanding, you know, the, the, the ball and claw-footed bath. Oh, yeah. It was full of newspapers. Um, why? Because he obviously was starting to run out of room. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's basically a mansion and it's pretty well full of newspapers. <sighs> and, okay. you'd, you know... I mean, it was just, oh God, look, the, 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 the newspapers um, literally went to the, to the, the ceiling. And, and these are 14-foot ceilings, Yeah. By, by the way. Can I ask what newspapers they were? Are we talking broadsheets? Oh, all t- broadsheets. Right, so no, 
no tabloids, just like literally the big, you know, the, the Sydney Morning Herald, basically. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um. Oh God. But he also had magazines too. Um. Oh. But not 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 porno magazines. Just, just magazines. Just magazines. Uh, but they were immaculately. They were. They were. They were it, it was a thing of beauty, actually. But right, it was so unnerving. He kept, he kept them in good condition, is what oh, you're saying. Yeah. Look, is, I, right. I don't understand. Look, something may well have happened. There may have been a traumatic event uh-huh. um, which triggered this this maniacal sort of... I mean, I guess you could say it's harmless. Maybe um, he had like a loved one who got lost and ground up in a printing press and he thought the best way to honour them and help them re-manifest onto the physical plane is to just get everything that's printed from that printing press, have it in the house, and then he'll be with them. That is actually... Um, not ridiculous. No, no, I no? agree with you. No, oh. because because when I was in work cover, <laughs> yeah, there were people that were just um, that fell into the big presses and became a part of the edition. I'm just, I mean, the part that I think is a stretch is that this guy thought his, you know, his dead wife was in it, her her blood was in the ink or something. Mm. But okay, so you've you've done the bathroom. There's newspapers and magazines everywhere. Mm. Um, and, and then wh- where yeah, do you go the, next? Well, we we then went. We checked out a few of the rooms, and then we came back to the to the top of the first flight of stairs. Yep. And then we looked up, and you could see another landing with a with a fairly short, maybe ten treads, taking you up to the final level. Mm-hmm. And bearing in mind that the place was carpeted as well, so there were runners going up and down the stairs, and they had those beautiful brass rods mm. that that keep the carpet, the runner, in. And then, as I said, a runner doesn't actually go right to the edges. So sort of on the ends of each runner, both left and right, were piles of papers. And so it was kind of, it was fairly narrow. If you can imagine newspapers either side of a set of stairs, and they're single stairs, of course, It's you could kind of get two people passing if there were no papers but when you take papers either side and then take that out of the the width you're left with quite a narrow passage Mm. but it was very kind of cozy if i can use that word which is a bit weird but it there was definitely like i don't know what you're like with caves paul but i love caving i'm not great Um, i get a bit weird actually yeah Yeah. i I, I mean i like uh, a bit of speleology and um we would uh anyway so we looked up and then we were sort of following the scent and then I remember seeing, uh, and this is a bit gross, everyone. I remember seeing cockroaches scurrying, and they were big. They were big mothers. They were the big mothers, and they kind of. It reminds me a little bit of Men in Black. Remember the first one with a guy. Oh yeah, it's Vincent D'Onofrio, and he pulls his skin back, and he says, "Sugar in." Water, remember? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Has to, so he's a cockroach. But he loved cockroaches, thing. didn't he? he? Well, he. I think he is cockroaches. You're right. And he's pretending to be human. Yeah. Yeah. So they were scurrying, and we made our way further up the stairs, and we came to the entrance to a big room that was at the front of the house, but was in in effect. If you stood on the road looking up at the building, you could see the beautiful what they call Sydney lace, which is wrought iron lace, and there were French doors. Um, leading out onto a balcony, but you couldn't actually see the French doors for newspapers. Mm. And then we saw what appeared to be 
a four-poster bed uh, with a canopy. But instead of having material which forms the canopy, uh, he had newspapers. And the newspapers were surrounding the bed. Bar, he'd, he'd like created a, a tunnel to the bed. Right. So you actually couldn't see any of the room except looking down a tunnel. We had our torches on. You couldn't see. We were literally in a, a tunnel of newspapers. Right. Um, and, they, they, and they led to a dark hole. And it was fairly small, this hole. And me being the junior man, as is customary in probably most organisations, the junior man, and they love to say it, he gets the really shitty jobs. Yeah, yeah. And my job was to approach this small black hole and I realised that it was like another tiny little tunnel and it was really small. You had to literally, um, well, literally crawl through the tunnel. You mean it's like a tunnel, a proper like tunnel, a, like a like a nest made of newspapers? No, not but not not messy. He's he has created a beautiful, immaculate, um, sheer walled sort of cave with papers. And because it's a canopy bed. The he's created this sort of some canopy beds have have got timber tops, and he then laid papers across the top of it. So mm. he'd created a like a womb like catacomb situation. That's, that's horrifying. Yeah, and I had to go in through this tunnel, and and then I began to smell. Um, I think it's probably the first time the smell actually affected me because the smell of a rotting person is um, is pretty crook. Are you crawling on your... Sorry. On how, all fours. On all fours through a tunnel made of newspaper and it's Pushing dark my torch. In it's pitch dark black. in there? Pitch, pitch black. How have you not told me this story before? <clears throat> because there are a lot of stories in my mind, Paul, that I think I've told you. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it just takes something... Yeah, to trigger it. To un- yeah. And, you know... Obviously, there are stories that, like, I, yeah, I just, look, obviously, I found this, you know, and I, and I, my mate behind me, he, um, I, I then became aware that there were other police there, because mm. it's 10 in the morning, there's not a lot happening at North Sydney, maybe even a car from Mossman popped over, so there were a few people gathering, and but no one really knew what was going on, and I'm sort of going through, and and then I um, I shone the torch into what was this person's bed, mm-hmm. and I don't think he was really into hygiene. Um, and I remember looking at his face, and it was really grey, but it was shiny, and it was bloated. His body had blown up like the Michelin Man, and. I remember looking down and I could see his hairy stomach and I saw cockroaches uh, coming out from folds of skin. Oh, fuck's sake. And 
the light that I shone on the slippery, slimy, distended, hairy stomach made the cockroaches become very agitated and possibly even excited. And they then started to, like, draw. It's like I was a magnet and I'm just drawing the cockroaches toward me. And then I began to realise that I would be sharing this narrow newspaper tunnel with possibly hundreds, if not thousands, of cockroaches. Because the cockroaches realise that there's only one way out. And that's where I am. And I think the light definitely would have made them react. I mean, let's face it, if, if it's night time and you come across one cockroach on your kitchen floor and you happen to shine a torch on the cockroach, mm. it, it kind of, it, it, it makes them scurry. And I've even seen cockroaches, believe it or not, fly. Have you ever seen cockroaches fly? Yeah, it's disgusting. They're yeah. disgusting. It's, yeah. it's, and they've got this weird... And I think, I think cockroaches can even bite you. And I know that sounds so bad. But these cockroaches were big. Mm. And, uh, and I began to feel pretty... I mean, I, I, you're aware you're a police officer... This was definitely the worst thing I'd ever seen at that point in my career. And uh, and uh, and then I saw something weren't bad enough. Then I began to realise, because I was looking at his skin, because it was one of those things where it's like the sun. You know you shouldn't look at it, but you can't help it. And I was... I was kind of... This could have been one of those moments in my life, Paul, where I thought to myself, wow, this is pretty cool. I'm the first person to see it. And I think that reinforced my my desire to ultimately uh, get into forensics. In fact, I'd say... Because I don't think that stuff really bothered me. I never, I never had... I never lost sleep over it. Right. But then I was watching the skin. And his skin was... Um, it was definitely kind of rippling, so I was—I thought I was hallucinating at first, because the whole thing's a bit weird. Mm. But then I began to realise that uh, there were actually other things happening with his body, and he had become infested. So the flies had come in at some stage and 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 laid larvae <sighs> in the folds of his skin, and then the maggots come out, and the maggots are laughing. Oh, I hope not. They're laughing. They're happy. They are. They are in this cloistered, moist, highly nutritious, warm, like constant temperature, beautiful environment, and they just thrive. So there were maggots starting to, to sort of. It's as though I'd sort of awoken. I'm not going to say awoken the dead because that sounds ridiculous. But th- th- this this beautiful kind of natural environment for certain, um, you know, creatures. To, to multiply and, and, and survive, all of a sudden this bloody police officer comes along and shines a bright torch in there and it's all over. And then, of course, I extricated myself and um, explained to my colleague, and there were other police there then, and then what we had to do was organise for the contractors and we also had to get forensics and um, detectives would have come as a matter of course because you don't know whether there's been foul play. Mm. And um, 
we'd uh yeah we'd uh, and because we were the first crew there that was that was our brief so um we had to then follow the uh the government contractor to the glebe morgue and book the body in and uh yeah and of course the body was unidentifiable now i didn't know at that stage in my junior career what then would have you know what would have entailed in terms of body identification yeah but but you know when we all listen to the news and you hear that that classic and and all too common uh statement made on news channels when they say police are endeavoring to identify the remains well um the listeners certainly now know because of if we jump into the future in forensics and fingerprints what what the police do so uh, it's quite fascinating yeah well that was um that's very upsetting stuff. I, I really can't believe the visual of you crawling into that newspaper tunnel and finding that guy. That's. Uh, mm. But imagine uh, if I had have kept going and something... Imagine if one of my mates... Not that it probably would happen, but imagine if one of them just kind of decided to, to follow me in and given me a bit of a nudge. And I actually had have gone sliding into the... And the body probably would have completely blown up and just shat itself. And Can you imagine that? Imagine if, if that that yeah. would really I'd probably leave the police force that day. Imagine if you'd um gone to find a way out and crawl back through the tunnel around the corner but the tunnel kept going and just kept going forever and you were trapped in this like Mobius strip of just <laughs> it's terrible. And it's very so. yeah, it's it's not nice. No, it's not nice and we hope you weren't listening while you were yeah, eating. Um I was thinking about my lunch and now I'm never going to eat again. And look, we didn't actually get to the chapter this week. Maybe uh, next week. Well, next week, what, what I was going to do is do um, the hot list and the next chapter done mm. for because they kind of work as a companion piece. So Excellent. next week, we'll be doing two chapters in one. So Love it. Love it. Yeah, make sure you tune in for that. And Dad and I have got some great stuff to talk about at the end of this week for mm. Loose Units, Loose Ends. If you have any questions for us, do head across to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash loose units. Leave us a question and we'll try and answer it. Dad and I hope you're all doing really well and we'll see you at the end of the week for more oh, Paul, loose units. Paul, oh, can yes. I just say one thing in closing? Yes, please. Yes, yesterday, yeah. I'm driving through Leichhardt, a city in Sydney. Yeah. And I see this this railway track. Yeah. I mean, I can't actually see the track, but I know there's a track up there because I see trains driving on it. And then underneath the track are massive concrete and brick Pylons. Now, these pylons were built. It's in a very historic street mm. in Leichhardt. It's called Johnson Street. It's one of the wider streets in Sydney. And for those people that don't know anything about super wide streets, it's so they could turn the bullock train around. So they might have 20 or 30 horses or bullocks carrying these massive, you know, that's how they transported things in the 19th century. And they had to be able to turn the entire train around. Can you imagine getting like 40 horses or bullocks to turn? No. Nope. You, you, you can't just get them to back up. You can't get them to do a three-point turn. They actually have to turn in a tight circle. So this street, Johnson Street, is super wide. But at the beginning of the street are the remnants of an early um, railway bridge, which they've sort of fixed it up and now they've got light rail travelling above. I'm turning the corner into a street I've driven down 
thousands of times because it's on the way to one of the big auction houses I deal mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. And to my left, and I've always looked to my left and seen, I'm always curious about the big advertisements they have I know, on these massive kind of... uh, billboards. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm looking and I thought to myself, I, it's like I did a double take. I'm lucky I didn't crash the ute because there to my left is a 20-foot photograph. Do you want to hear who it was, Paul? Was it me? It's you. Yeah. And you've got a blindfold on. And it's an ad for Dan Murphy's. Yeah. And and listeners, heads up, Dan Murphy's have nothing to do with this podcast. No, they don't. No. There's Paul, number one Mm -hmm. son, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking at him, Mm -hmm. and I was so excited that I drove around and took a video. I was that excited. So I'm... I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. How weird is it to see your son on a 20-foot poster? Hopefully one day there is a uh, poster for Loose Units, uh, you know, if it becomes a movie or a TV show, and there's two actors on the poster who play us. That'd be exciting. Wouldn't that be exciting? Mm. And then you can drive around in circles looking at yourself. Uh, thanks for pointing that out. We had lots of correspondence from other listeners pointing this stuff out, so I appreciate the pylon. Everyone, take it easy, and we will see you at the end of this week for more Loose Units. And I'll see you under the underpass. That sounds creepy. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.